Uh, hi, welcome everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. Um, first of all, I'm just going to go over a couple. Um, I'll introduce myself in a minute. I'll just go over a few housekeeping items. Um, if you can, turn off your phone ringers. That would be excellent. That way we'll have fewer distractions. There's bathrooms in the next room. It is, yes. <laughs> um, there is a, a charge for the room this evening, so if you didn't get a chance to throw some money in, um, please do. Anything over our expenses, I made an executive decision, we're <laughs> uh, going to donate to Viroqua Plastic Free. Um, is that okay? Sure. Okay. Oh, and, but you're, never mind. Um, okay. So, oh, and also this meeting is being recorded. So just be aware. Um, so my name is Jenny Kane. Um, I'm very new to this issue of the landfill expansion. Uh, I became involved when I learned that the Vernon County Supervisors voted to expand the landfill in December. So I heard about it, I think, January 1st. Uh, the purpose of this meeting is to inform myself and the community of the concerns of um, Tom Lukens and Calvin Rodolfo, um, who have been active in questioning the wisdom and feasibility of the expansion. I realize there might be some people here that um, support the expansion. Welcome, a warm welcome to everyone. Um, to be clear, though, this meeting is not going to present all sides of the issue. Um, there is um, a community forum, hopefully, in the works, where all sides of the issue will be discussed, and everyone will have a chance to, you know, make their uh, concerns known, because this is something that affects all of us you know, no matter, you know, where we live or whatever, you know, it affects all of us. Um, so, uh, the plan for this evening is first, uh, Tom Lukens, who's an interested citizen. He's been active on this issue for four years. He'll open our meeting with a short summary on the topic, and he'll recap his communications with the DNR on the feasibility of the expansion, and especially regarding the landfill's financial position. Uh, second, Calvin Rodolfo, PhD, Professor Emeritus of Earth and Environmental Sciences of the University of Illinois, Chicago, will give us a PowerPoint presentation on the karst geology of our, re of our region and his concerns about why locating a landfill on karstic land, and especially going forward with this current expansion, is, in his opinion, ill-advised. Calvin is an expert on geology and lots of other things, I think. Uh, Dennis Baralt, the former chair of the Vernon County Board of Supervisors, wanted to be here tonight. He is not able to be here. He is ill, apparently. so. Uh, we spent, send our best wishes uh, to Dennis. Uh, there will be time following the presentations for Q&A. Tom Lukens will be moderating this segment. Each participant will be limited to three minutes. There will be time. Do you have to come up to the microphone if you would so the um, recording is um, even, I guess? Um, so, I'd like to appreciate our presenters for their hard work. Uh, may we keep our minds open and curious about the future of this expansion, treat each other with respect and dignity. It is my hope that new ideas will be born of our discussion tonight. Perhaps we can reimagine ways that we relate to waste. Before we begin, um, I'd like to ask that we take a minute of silence to center ourselves, intend the highest good for this meeting and each other, 
as well as the land and the water upon which we depend. Hello. Thanks for being here, folks. My, my name's, is it on? Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, yeah, my name's Tom Lukens. I uh, have been involved in this issue now for over a little over four years um, and have presented to the county board several times along with Kelvin Rodolfo. Um, and uh, as, as um, history, um, we, you know, we, we asked when they were doing the feasibility study if they could isolate the, the hydrologic and the geologic features uh, first and isolate those in the feasibility study so that if there turned out to be issues that they could, they could face those issues before they proceeded. But that didn't pan out. So um, we, the reason it's kind of come to a head here recently is that the DNR's letter of incompleteness determination uh, was just sent out December 19th of this, uh, this of the 23rd, uh, of, of the 23. So um, it kind of came to a head. We had to wait till a feasibility study uh, uh, was reviewed by DNR and they got their response back. Um, and so that's kind of what, what brings this thing to the fore right now. Um, I, I first want to say that, that I agree that with, with, with what, though I don't do social media, I've been informed of what's, what's been exchanged there, and I agree that we do have a responsibility to take care of our, our solid waste, um, but that, that is a responsibility to do so responsibly. Um, and that responsibly means that, you know, to expand a, uh, a, a landfill that, that had we had proper testing uh, technologies when it was first built, probably never would have been built. Um, uh, and Kelvin will go into more of those things. My, I, because in presenting to the, to the board, I, I felt that it was the economic aspects that might reach them better than, than, the, uh, than the environmental aspects. So I focused on the, the uh, economic aspects uh, and Kelvin on the, the hydro, uh, hydrologic uh, um, geotechnical parts of things. So, um, but I, I certainly agree that we have a responsibility to take care of our waste, to reduce that as much as possible. Um, but by extending it on a, uh, an improperly sited landfill, which in the DNR's uh, letter of incompleteness uh, determination, uh, I, I quote, they say, they have real concerns about the fact that it's, there's fractured and preferential groundwater flow in the Dola Stone for both the perched and the regional aquifer. And so, you know, when we, we, we can talk about, and, and I know uh, Mr. Free has, has, has put some things out there, uh, that subtitle D landfill liners, geotextile and the clay underneath them, these things are really safe. Well, the, the, that's, beside the point. The point is that we are, we, we have a landfill that's perched on karstic voids um, that, that uh, with preferential flow, with high velocity test wells um, that, that are commingling uh, the, the perched and, the, and the, uh, the regional aquifer. So that's, I, I, I'd like to, to understand, I understand that, that Subtitle D landfills with, with, with clay liners and geotextile have not presented a, a, a ton of problems other places, and they haven't been being used that much uh, for that long, but it is the siting on this geology that makes, makes them really uh, questionable. Uh, so, but our, our, since I focus on the, on the economic aspects. I'll just go there and Kelvin will capably pick up the rest of those things. So, um, but I think maybe some of you have seen, and I have, I made copies, 30 copies each of three different documents up here. Um, uh, one of them is, is KJ's um, economic analysis of the last 10 years and where the red ink is in the solid waste department. And uh, feel free to grab one of those. There's 30 of those. I didn't know how many people were coming. Um, and uh, so, th so there's 30 of those. There are 30 of a set of questions that I, that I came up with when people pressured me to try to bring this to the public. Um, to ask supervisors, there's, so that's a front and back, 30 copies over there. And then there's also 30 copies of, of Kelvin's um, 
annotated, and his comments are in red, so it's a colored copy up here uh, for the, on the DNR's uh, uh, incompleteness determination letter. So he's gone through uh, that, um, the, the DNR's response and added his own comments, highlighted in red what he thinks is particularly concerning, and then added his own comments. So those, there are 30 of each of those, and, and as we go, I may make reference to those. Please feel free to come up and, and grab one, and if, if there's two of you in the same party, just grab one copy if you would, and please. If you prefer a um, digital copy emailed, just check where you signed in and we'll email those. So KJ's financials have, rep have, have pointed out that our solid waste department lost money in all but one of the last 10 years. Um, and so in, in 20, uh, and, and her, her analysis ended in 2022, but in 2023, in, according to the last committee meeting, the Solid Waste Department's chair reported that the landfill lost nearly a quarter million dollars just in 23. Uh, so we, we're, we're talking about borrowing millions and servicing debt on an operation that really hasn't even been bringing in enough income to sustain itself. So it becomes really kind of questionable at that point. So um, the, uh, and, and it's also true that, as all of you probably know, Southwest Sanitation was bought by uh, GFL, um, which is a larger corporation, and there's lots of anti-large corporation feelings about it. I understand those too, but, but GFL has, has pulled over 50% of the volume that's gone to the local landfill. So um, last, uh, last year, Southwest uh, GFL uh, brought in, in 2023, where they lost a quarter million dollars, they brought in 9,700 tons of solid waste to the landfill. And at 60 bucks a ton, you know, you just kind of, that's what the budget is. But those, those, 9,700 tons have completely gone away. They're, they're now going to Eau Claire. Um, so the landfill, the landfill in 2023 um, actually had tipping fees for 16,700 tons of, of, uh, of solid waste. Um, now, if you, if you take away 9,700 tons of those, you know, you're, 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 really, you're, you're really talking about less than 8,000 tons at $60 a ton for a, a total of uh, $435,000 in a budget for the landfill. So it, the numbers just don't pencil out very well. But that is the, 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 it's the case that the landfill has showed rent ink, and I know it's an enterprise, and they borrow money, and they shuffle money. Um, they, they, they do a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of different things, but you have to understand that, that Vernon County, um, there, there are only 25 landfills in the state of Wisconsin. Only 25. Uh, we got 72 counties in the state of Wisconsin, um, but only only nine of those counties have anything to do with a municipal landfill. So we're bucking the trends when we try to keep a, a municipal landfill here here in our county. There are, you know, why we have, uh, you know, in some of those counties have even gone into cooperative efforts, like like Allegheny, Winnebago, and Brown did a three-way to try to justify having a municipal landfill. And those are big counties, you know, over where Green Bay is and the rest of it. So um, yeah, you gotta keep that in mind. We're really, we're really the smallest municipal landfill in the state of Wisconsin. And why is that important? Well, it takes volume to support a landfill. Um, it's tipping fees revenues that support the landfill. If you got low volume, um, you, that's why most of these things have gone out of business. They've closed landfills. The smallest municipal landfill in the state of Wisconsin is what we're trying to, trying to keep going here and to expand and to, and to give ourselves liabilities for, for another 15 plus years. So I, since I've been communicating with the, with the, with the board for, for so many, so many years, um, I, I, and I, since I want to really kind of focus on the DNR's objections to the landfill, um, I'd like to, 
in, in the, and again, if you want to grab one of these annotated copies of Kelvin's, that is the letter of determination, the letter of incompleteness determination. So that, that's up here. It's the larger of the two here closest to me. Um, and uh, I, I, as I'm focusing on the economics, I, I would like to, to refer in that to, uh, to the section where the DNR speaks about uh, the needs and design capacity of the landfill. Uh, they asked um, in, uh, in, in number 22, section 11 there, and I encourage folks to take one of those things, the, uh, but the DNR's incompleteness determination letter um, questions the need for the Vernon County landfill, and this is the language they use, um, the, the, and I quote, the starting estimated disposal rate for the landfill provided in, in tables 11 uh, through 7 is not consistent with the average waste acceptance rate at the landfill. In other words, the, this, the solid waste department's manager over, overestimated and inflated the actual amount of solid waste that's coming to the landfill in an effort to justify the landfill's continuance. So the DNRs just called them flat out on it. They've said uh, they, they don't trust the numbers. Uh, they've told them to go back and do them again um, because they, the, the, the landfill has to pay the DNR, I think it's $7 and something in taxes for every ton of, of waste that's delivered. So the, so the DNR is very much aware of what the actual, actual uh, gate receipts for, for tonnage at the landfill uh, actually is. So they got the numbers. They looked at their numbers. They looked at what the feasibility report said and said, you're not telling the truth. Um, and, and this is pretty substantial stuff. They've got, they, they don't trust the numbers. They are saying that it seems actually to be less than half of the amount submitted as the starting estimated disposal rate. And this has to do with what I was just telling you, how Southwest GFL going away, they had 16,000 tons in, in 23, but, but well over half of that is going to another landfill, and yet they've predicated the expansion on receiving 20 tons of solid waste per year. They received 20 tons of solid waste only one year in the last 10, and yet they'd like to pass that off as this is our standard goal. Well, as you will see in, in KJ's uh, finances here, the only year that our landfill was not, that had red ink was 2019 when they made a deal with Southwest. Okay, you can bring in out of county stuff. You can do, we need the tipping fees. It's okay, but you have to promise to give us 90, 95% of your total collected solid waste. And he said, okay but they dropped the, the tipping fee from 60 bucks to 49 bucks per ton in order to do that, in order to get him to bring the stuff in. So, um, and now uh, it's, all that's going away. So it, it's really kind of a, a big, pretty big question mark that the DNR has put in front of them. Um, the, they also, the DNR's uh, letter also goes on to say that furthermore, the latest trend is a declining weight exception, exception rate at the landfill. Um, they questioned the population growth curves. They just questioned everything in the, in the feasibility study that tried to justify needs. Three minutes, Tom. If you want to stick with the 15 minutes, you've got three minutes. Well, I'm not sticking with 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because Dennis dropped out, I got a little bit more time. Oh. Dennis, Dennis got sick, um, so he gave me more time. Um, but so anyway, that's the basic. You pull back far enough and you look at this thing. The economics are, are, are a serious question on that. Please feel free to, to grab KJ's financial stuff. Came right off the website. These are the real numbers. When you talk to the county board, they all tell you we don't trust the landfill department's uh, uh, numbers. Everybody tells you that. Um, and uh, so it's a matter of fact, there'll be a closed door session about that after tomorrow's committee meeting. Um, so, but the, uh, the, so I just wanted to, and then the, the other thing I wanted to just bring out as, as part of what I have, have brought to the, to, the, to the county's attention is, at the recent county board meeting, 
there was, the, there was an auditor's presentation on the status of, uh, of the, the county's finances. At that meeting, it was pointed out that, that the landfill borrowed another couple hundred thousand dollars from a fund, it decreased, um, and so basically they lost another two hundred thousand dollars in 23. Um, uh, in 22, excuse me, in 22, that was when the audit was. Uh, so, um, it, it, and then there was, uh, and then she reported to the committee here just, just recently that in, in uh, 23 they lost nearly two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now they're asking you to borrow three, four million dollars, service the debt, buy a $750,000 compactor, do all this stuff, when they can't even make enough money to keep the books going. You know, they're in red. Um, so um, uh, they, they're gonna be, they, but the other thing that I think should concern us all is that the long-term care and closure account that is an escrow account that is mandated by the DNR um, to, to be fully funded by the, by the end of the landfill's life. We are now at the end of the end landfill's life. That's why the, the airspace is running out. Um, but that account is $930,000 in arrears. The landfill is supposed to close next year. Um, and yet, this fund is deficient by $930,000. Now, that's a liability for the county. Um, uh, but the county doesn't, doesn't, doesn't want to deal with that very well. It was supposed to be an open discussion um, at the, at the uh, committee meeting tomorrow, but uh, the, the chair has uh, tabled it. And, uh, and so, but that was a $4.5 million set-aside account for long-term closure and care, long-term care and closure, excuse me. And it's not funded. It's $930,000 short. So, it, and it's, it's, it's not that... We, what we've done so far is fund a feasibility report for $330,000. They, three weeks before the DNR gave them their letter of incompleteness, the, the board chair forced through a vote to, to vote for another $300,000 spent for a plan of development. He wouldn't even wait until the DNR's letter was received. He jammed it through, saying we're gonna run out of airspace, gotta, 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 gotta go fast, when in reality, um, the airspace is, there's less pressure on it because GFL's going someplace else. There's a lot of, but, but that is a really concerning fact. They're supposed to have set aside this money and, and it's not there. Um, so that's, that's something that concerns us all. I made notes on what I'm supposed to say, so I gotta hurry up here. Um, so uh, the, uh, the KJ's, please take a look at her. Um, the, the, uh, but the auditor's report was shocking, you guys. Uh, and there were county board members asking questions about it. Um, the, and the county board is, uh, has trespassed uh, more than once on this, on, on this issue and uh, um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm to stay very, very level-headed here, I've been warned. Um, so I, I won't, uh, but uh, it, it is, it's really, the county board does have a chance to save face here. It's all about the letter of incompleteness determination. They can simply point to that and say, that's closing the books on us. And because the hydrogeology is really, really scary. Um, and, uh, and Kelvin's going to get into that. I, I think that, that probably covers, uh, covers what, uh, most of what uh, I had to say. I, I do have uh, copies of the most recent, the DNR's most recent rejoinders to the, the Infrastructure Committee's um, um, clarifications uh, that they were seeking on the end of completeness determination. But it, boy, you talk about in the weeds. It's really in the weeds. So uh, I have a dozen copies of that, but unless you can, unless you really wanna, they're being asked to dig more boreholes to spend a few hundred thousand more dollars to justify this thing because the DNR says their conclusions are, are not substantiated by the data. So anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of my deal. I'll be, I'll be here for the questions later on. Um, and uh, uh, so I guess, uh, in the transition, um, I guess I'm, I'll say a couple of things. Um, one, I don't know if everyone is aware, and I don't know if Tom said it yet, but um, the 
yeah, the landfill has been voted the expansion to go forward last December. Um, the way that we can, you know, I don't know how likely it is, but that we can push back if we so choose is by talking to our county board supervisors. There's phone numbers and there's a map so you can locate who your supervisor is if you live in Vernon County. Um, there is that infrastructure meeting tomorrow morning at the courthouse at 9.30. They should allow public comment at the beginning of the meeting. You get th three or four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. And so that's Tuesday. Then Thursday is the county board meeting. And apparently that's when we might be hearing more back about this DNR report. Um, and you can make a public comment prior to that meeting as well. Um, so 9.30, it's located at the annex um, at the courthouse, fifth floor. Third floor? Third floor? Yeah, the Third top floor. floor. Okay, the top floor, <laughs> penthouse. Um, okay, so um, Calvin, are you ready? Yeah, I've decided I'm going, I'm going to present sitting down because I don't want you to be distracted by my stunning beauty. I want you to look at the screen. <laughs> Besides, my wife, Kathy, will have to hold the, uh, the microphone for me so that you can hear me. And so I'll sit down and present sitting down. Uh, yeah. I've been a geologist since uh, 1954. I published my first paper in 1962. I became a member of the faculty at University of Illinois Chicago, teaching geology and environmental science in 1966. And um, I think I have a fairly good reputation as a scientist. You can check me out. Look, look in Google Scholar and check me out and see how many people have been attacking my science. I don't think you'll find any. The reason why I say this is because I presented something to the county board based on scientific fact, and it was called alternate facts, which is in this day's uh, uh, political climate means lies. And that's used by people who dislike anything and anything they don't like is an alternate fact, regardless of its truth content or not. Anything I present to you here is backed by, by, by uh, published data, and you can ask for it. So anyway, here, Kathleen. Okay. Well, you're still beautiful. Oh, yes, well, yes. Con <laughs> contain yourself. So uh, the problem basically is that uh, the state of Illinois, uh, the, you know, the state of Wisconsin has done a not, not a very good job in both studying karst and in teaching the public about it. What you hear most about karst is based on a study, oop, I got to go back. Is based on a study that was published in 2007 by the Northeast Wisconsin Karst uh, Task Force. Emphasis on the word Northeast, because Karst in the Northeast is not at all like Karst in the West. And because the East is uh, the rich side of the state, they get, they get all of the research funds, and we uh, are the poor part of the state. So uh, as a, uh, a pig farmer would, uh, would put it, uh, the West Side sucks hind tit when it comes to when it comes to uh, uh, resources being being given to it, and we are suffering from that right now. That is what this this landfill thing is all about. Okay, um, this is uh, another. Uh, this is the, was done by uh, Ken, uh, Ken uh, Bradbury, who was the state, uh, state geologist, and he said, 
I think that light is too low. We can, is that, can we all get some of the light? Yeah. It, uh, he, he says, uh, he, he, he emphasizes that, um, I, can, I can barely read it myself. Excuse me? Is that better? Yeah, okay. So he, th he talks about karst. This is supposed to be about karst. And um, he says on the, on, the, on, the, on, the west, on the east side, this aquifer, uh, he talks about the, uh, the aquifer and what a great aquifer it is on the east. And then he mentions that the, on the west there are also aquifers. But that's all, <laughs> that's all he says. And what is, what is on the east is not at all like what is in the west. So my job is to try and uh, uh, fill the gap that the, that the state has, has left in your understanding. Um, as a consequence of this lack of understanding, uh, one of the things that happens is that there are no state regulations on in placing uh, land, landfills on karst. And that includes the east side, which is not too bad for the east because, as I will explain, it's a little easier to clean. Uh, but nothing on the west. Uh, well, we have, in, in, the, uh, in the Driftless area, we have uh, two, possibly three, uh, landfills uh, situated on karst. Our own, uh, Monroe, and marginally, um, La Crosse. Uh, you can see, this is a, a map of the Driftless, the outline is, is the Driftless, and you'll see, as I get rid of it, that there are really only two uh, in, in, the, in the Driftless karst. But unfortunately, one of them is ours. Um, the, this is a, uh, an informational thing put out by uh, DNR, Wisconsin Groundwater. And I can't read the rest of that stuff. But what it, what it pictures is actually um, the, aquifer, the karst aquifer on, on the east side. And that's really what it looks like. Uh, there is a limestone. It's called the Niagara limestone or, or dolomite. The same, the same limes, uh, limestone or dolomite that the Niagara Falls goes over. And there's a whole swath of it that comes around along the Great Lakes and then comes back down along, uh, along uh, western, uh, along the, uh, west, western uh, Lake Michigan. That is a, uh, is a shallow aquifer in karst, okay? Uh, and, and let me just exp explain a little bit more what I mean by that. Uh, first of all, aquifer means water bearer, just like conifer means a tree that bears cones, right? The fir means bearing. Now, a karst rock itself can be an aquifer, as it is in the east, because the, it has large cavities that are dissolved into the, into the rock. So water can go in fairly fast and can be withdrawn fairly fast, and by the same token, Contaminants can go in very fast, but can also be taken out very fast. So if you contaminate uh, a, uh, a, a karstic aquifer, it's fairly easy to, to, to clean out. Not the same for us. Most uh, commonly, like in our own aquifers, our water comes out of sandstones and uh, the, uh, the water is, is uh, contained in the voids between grains. And uh, let me uh, just pass a, a little thing around here for it to explain that. This is a, a uh, sandstone. The, uh, it's a good aquifer because all the grains are round. And you can imagine uh, th that these marbles are grains of sand, maybe a uh, a sixteenth of an inch in diameter. Um, you can pass it along. So that is how your, how how our aquifers hold water. When you pump water out of your well, it's come out uh, coming out of gray uh, interstices between grains of sand. Now, 
So uh, the private machine dolomite is a karst rock, but it is not an aquifer. It allows water, it's, it's, it has fractures and it has voids, but the main thing it does is it allows surface water to percolate through it and down into the sandstones that lie as deep as a thousand feet beneath us. So, uh, if you have a if you have a land a landfill that leaks, it's going to it's going to follow the same pathways. So, uh, what happens then is again our karst is a conduit; it is not a container. And what it does is it allows water to percolate down and into rocks as deep as a thousand feet, uh, typically from 100 feet below the surface down to a thousand feet beneath the surface. If you pollute a sandstone, imagine looking at that and imagine it's containing polluted water. How can you flush it out? You cannot. So basically, if you pollute an aquifer sandstone, it will remain polluted forever. And the argument for me basically boils down to what do you want? Do you want the convenience in our modern times of being able to, put, to tuck your, your garbage out of, out of sight? Or do you want the, 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 to pay for that, your great-grandchildren are going to have dirty water? That is the choice, whether you like it or not. These, this is the pile of rocks that we get our water from. Uh, that, that arrow down, I didn't get the chance to put it. It says about 1,000 feet. Uh, there is a, the St. Peter sandstone is the, is the ridge that, that uh, uh, Viroqua City and, and um, Westby are, are built on. Un underneath it uh, is the Prairie du Chien dolomite, which is our, which it, which is our karst rock. Um, we get our water from the, jo the Jordan sandstone further down uh, from, uh, a, I can't remember the name of that. It's, uh, yeah, the, the, the Waukesha, and then underneath the deepest one, which is the one that the city of Viroqua taps, the Mount Simon sandstone. Again, pollute those and try and clean them. You can't, you cannot. And again, if I get emotional, I'm thinking about my great-grandchildren because they're gonna inherit whatever we leave them. Um, this is a quarry, and I'm really glad I took this picture when I did, in uh, Paradisune Dolomite in, along Avalanche Road. And you'll see that there are vertical fractures which have, been, uh, which have been enlarged by water percolating through and dissolving it a little wider because dolomite and sandstone are, are mildly soluble in water. Uh, surface water. Uh, so the longer the longer water percolates down, the wider those things get, the better conduits they become. In addition, some of the some of the the, the, the layers are less soluble than others, so you wind up with layers along the bedding, which um, which allows water not only to go down but to go sideways until they find another fracture and it can go down again on their way down to our aquifers. Um, I wish Anna Jo Dora was here. This is a picture taken near her place. And you can see on that scale, you can see the horizontal uh, dissolved layer as well as, as well as vertical fractures. That is caustic rock. Uh, Karst uh, features in the driftless. You have a lot of fractures. There are regional fractures, uh, and they, they affect all rocks, not just, not just the, the, the dolomite. But the, the fractures, especially where, they, where two fractures uh, cross, you're going to be, get enhanced solutions. So you, you typically get, you'll see sinkholes, and underneath you, may, you might find caves. When a cave collapses, you get a sinkhole. When you get a sinkhole, that sinkhole at the surface becomes a funnel to gather surface water to send it down. So the whole thing is built to bring water 
and whatever con contaminants you contain down into, into our aquifers, into our sandstone aquifers. So here caves. Um, less than a mile from, uh, from the landfill, uh, there's a, dis a disappearing stream in a blind valley. It disappears because it's diving underground. And then it'll follow some underground course and eventually maybe, uh, a they call a swallow, a place where all of a sudden the stream disappears. And again, that's because the water is going down. Um, you get, uh, our trout streams benefit greatly from that because while the water is in the rock, it cools off. And when it comes out in a spring, cold water spring, it's cold water and the trout love it. The, the, the green, uh, the blue here are, the, are, are really famous uh, trout streams that tourists come from, from many miles away to take advantage of. Those too will be polluted, and I don't know what's gonna happen to the trout, but I'm not a trout fisherman, so who cares, right? Um, the Torino Spring along uh, Mapledale Road is one of these. Here's my lovely wife, a scale. Uh, and that it, the Torino Spring is there. More to the point is the Kroom Spring, about a, a half a mile northeast of the landfill. And that, that, that's what this looks like. It used to be people would stop there. They stopped doing that in uh, 1992. <laughs> they used to take water, delicious heat of summer, take water, cold, clean. You can't do that anymore. Um, a geologic map of the area. You can see that the city of Viroqua is sitting on the St. Peter sandstone, which makes the high ridge, uh, which is shared by, by uh, Westby to the north. Uh, the blue is the prairie to Sheen Dolomite, exposed but sitting underneath stratigraphically underneath the St. Peter. And then underneath the, 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 uh, the uh, Paradisine, where the streams are, have dug deepest, are these yellow formations, which are Upper Cambrian sandstones, which include all of our, all of our uh, sandstone aquifers. There's the landfill. It's sitting on Paradisine Dolomite. Uh, this is the uh, United States Geological Survey map of groundwater susceptibility. And there is the, there is the, uh, the, the landfill. It's sitting on, it is most susceptible. According to this, this thing, it is, it is the most susceptible rock around, uh, groundwater contamination susceptibility. So let's go back. Um, as I said, there are a lot of, uh, lot of fractures in the area, and, and fractures will encourage uh, uh, the formation of conduits down into the bottom. Uh, this was a really nice uh, picture taken uh, using uh, uh, satellite technology that basically strips off all the trees so you can see what the, what the area would look like bare. And if you notice carefully, you will see that there are four sets of fractures, parallel fractures. I can go back so you can check. But more to the point, uh, those are, if you look, if you look for, uh, for sinkholes, you'll see that most of the sinkholes are along fractures, not everywhere in, in the area, but where there is Perry, Duchene, Dolomite, and, uh, and uh, St. Peter's sandstone sitting on top of the Dolomite because caves, caves will, will, will form in, in the, uh, caves and sinkholes will form in the overlying, in the overlying uh, St. Peter if the underlying uh, Paradisine Dolomite has a cave that collapses. Um, I studied, let me, I'll have to digress a little bit. In 2008, Kathy and I came to, uh, uh, to, to, to farm a, a small farm here in Viroqua. And that same year, uh, Dairyland Power wanted to establish a coal ash landfill in Viroqua. And that was just a very bad idea. And so we joined other people, other concerned citizens, and we killed that landfill, that coal ash landfill, because that, the, some of the most toxic stuff in the world comes out of coal ash, believe you me. 
Uh, but when, I, when we did that, I decided people didn't know. And so I, did, I, I took two years to make a geologic survey of all of, of uh, uh, Viroqua Township and adjacent swaths on the, on the, to the west and the east. And one of the things I did was I looked at all of the well logs that had been drilled up to that time since the first one was, uh, the first record was submitted in 1938. And you will see that uh, the, uh, the asterisks represent uh, wells that encountered karstic uh, features underground, things like uh, uh, fracture, fractured dolomite, things like all of a sudden the fluid in the, in, in the drillers gives off because it, it, it siphoned off. Uh, you, have, you have to pour concrete uh, cement down in order to keep on drilling and so on. So of 602 wells I looked at, 30% were caustic, and those were located on, either on the Paradisine Dolomite or on the St. Peter sandstone overlying it. Um, this was well FU046 drilled by Sam's Rotary for the Vernon County landfill in 1992, which is when the landfill was established. And you will see that there is an interval about 109 feet uh, from 109 feet, uh, what? Feet, 109 feet, uh, from uh, 65 feet below the surface down to 170 feet below the surface. And they had, they said, broken lime rock, broken lime rock. That is cost, my friend. And this is at the landfill. At the landfill. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do any more than that. Oh, this, these are the wells that provide the city of Viroqua from their, their water. And each one of them has a karstic interval in it. So. Um, you cannot impound water or waste on karstic terrain. You can line it well with clay, as the, as, as the engineers are telling you, and, 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 uh, and use uh, 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 plastic. <laughs> but if you're on karst terrain, what do you do if, if something collapses underneath? It's worthless. This is inviting disaster. So, I, don't, I didn't I see what, what, what it is. So basically, what that is saying is that First of all, your, your trout streams are going to suffer, but more than that, they will also proceed down to contaminate your well water. Um, Wisconsin has no rules about putting landfills on cars. The dairy industry back in 2008 objected to that, that task force report because it was blaming CAFOs for everything. So the dairy people said, hey, wait a minute, not just us. <laughs> Landfills. And they wanted further studies. Those studies were never done. Were never done. Um, so because Wisconsin doesn't have any rules, it has to rely on what the feds say. And the feds are hardly better. They say, uh, forgive an old man. They say, owners or operators of new municipal solid waste landfill units, uh, existing uh, units, and lateral expansions, lateral expansions, uh, located in unstable areas must demonstrate that engineering measures have been incorporated into the municipal solid waste landfills units design to ensure that the integrity of the structural components of the landfill will not be disrupted. But they don't tell you what those, what those measures are. In fact, nobody can. Nobody can. And I challenge anybody who is a proponent of the landfill to show me, just show me what a design like that would be. Uh, now, uh, the, 
It says, unstable areas can include karst range, areas where karst topography with its characteristic surface and subterranean features is developed as a result of dissolution of limestone, dolomite, other soluble rock. Classic characteristic physiologic features present in karst range include, but are not limited to sinkholes, sinking streams, caves, large springs, and blind valleys. Oh, I said that before. The World Bank does better to protect third world countries applying for money to establish a landfill. Those third world countries are better protected because they have a list of 18 things that absolutely will disallow their funding a landfill. Number 17 of number 18, you can read for yourself. No underlying limestone, carbonate, fissure, or other porous rock formations, which would be incompetent as barriers to leachate and ga gas migration, where the formations are more than 1.5 meters in thickness and present as the uppermost geological unit above sensitive groundwater. Okay. So, a Pakistani is better protected than we are. And that's terrible. That's just terrible. Now, here's the history of the Vernon County landfill problem. In 1990, well, in the 80s, people were dissatisfied with all of the crap that was being dumped along, along, uh, along roads and, and with inefficient local uh, accumulations that weren't very well handled. And so they wanted a landfill. And so in 1992, they built a landfill over five acres with a capacity of 315,000 cubic yards. In 1993, uh, they started accumulating the waste. Uh, only let, maybe nine years later, the capacity was almost used up. So they asked DNR for permission for what they call a vertical expansion, meaning let us pile it higher. And the DNR said, well, you gotta do a new feasibility study. So they brought in a new company, uh, Central Wisconsin Engineers and, and Architects, who um, found that the original measures at, of the rate at which water flows to the bedrock underneath the landfill were grossly underestimated because they used primitive, uh, primitive equipment. In, fa in fact, the percolation rates are tens to hundreds of times faster than was, were originally reported when the landfill was approved. But, uh, DNR proved it anyway. And that to me was criminal. That to me was criminal. Because, <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> In 2008, Dairyland Power tried to site a coal ash landfill. I think they were invited by the, by the, the uh, operators of the, the landfill. Come here, we have a landfill. Why did you set up next to us? on the same terrain, and we managed to scotch that. Uh, in 2019, they discovered, well, we need to expand. And they, what they wanted to do originally, and Tom Lucan was there at the, at the, at the, um, the landfill committee, committee uh, meeting that proposed this. It was being run by a guy named uh, Justin Running. I think he's the mayor of the city now. And I showed him how fast, the existing wells, how fast water goes through them. And so they scotched that. And then they decided they were, they were gonna go to the east instead, which is what we are fighting now. Uh, feasibility report. Uh, the feasibility report basically says, uh, oop, I gotta go back. Oh no, I gotta go back. Uh, you can probably read that for yourself. Uh, when the feasibility study for existing landfill was uh, was uh, conducted in 19, 19 what? In, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. In 1989, uh, they basically what this is saying is they used they used primitive uh, equipment that did, that grossly underestimated percolation rates. And so I'll just cut that off. You can read the rest. Uh, I will give you table three. It summarizes the results of the slug test an, an, an analysis well by well. As an, or, as an overall as estimation of these results, it, it should be noted that the values are probably one, 
to two orders of magnitude greater than what was reported in the previous landfill. One to two orders of magnitude means tens to hundreds of times faster. Okay? And that's why I, I consider DNR approving that, knowing that as criminal too. Uh, these are uh, the slug tests that, that were, were presented by the new survey. Maybe explain hydrologic conductivity. Yes, yes, the, the rate with which water flows uh, through the rock. Typically, in, in a, an aquifer, water will flow a few inches to maybe, maybe as much as a foot per day. But here you've got, uh, well, the ones in green were the ones that were in that northeast corner. The conductivities are, um, are, are uh, 9 uh, 29.8, 9.0, and 33.5 feet per day. Um, and uh, so, uh, and they described the geology in the in the units they were they were studying as fractured, <laughs> fractured, fractured. All of these are a matter of public record, and if you go into the feasibility report that was just there, they're there and are not explained. Kelvin, if you want to keep it to thirty minutes, you got five left. Okay. I got, well, let's see. Uh, all right. So let's. Uh, what, so they proved it anyway. Um, and in the new one, they said, we want to move to the west side. The reason why they wanted to move to the west side are there are no well data there. OK? And then they said, let me say what they said. Uh, it's, they said, they asked for an exemption. The feasibility studies. Attempts to core bedrock have been unsuccessful due to weathering, existing fractures, and later heterogeneity of dolomite, dolomitic sandstone, and silt. Vernon County is requesting an exemption and proposes that the coring of bedrock be attempted at only one drilling location, MW14T. In lieu, then we'll, do, we'll just do geophysics instead. <laughs> well, well, MW14T is outside of the area. It's outside of the area that they want to expand into. It's up there. Up, MW14 is way up there. Can you see that? Yeah. And they're going to drill again? Of course they're not going to. They're going to use. They're going to use the data that were gathered in 2003. What can I say? Um, that, oh, this is the worst thing. The feasibility study says. Uh, it describes the, uh, where, they get, where the garbage come from. It says, the landfill serves all municipalities, commercial business, and industry located within Vernon County. They don't say that they admit as much from outside the county as from within the county. And then there are people on the board that say, we like, this, we like our existing landfill because it is, exists local control. Local for whom? The, the Morocco Township voted unanimously not to permit. So what's local about that? It's local only if it, it goes into some other county. Now, basically, this says landfills are destined to fail. And I won't go beyond that because uh, there is a picture of a, uh, they have like, they say five, five feet of clay in the, in the case of the expansion, and a, a uh, geomembrane, a, a, uh, uh, a polyethylene geo, geomembrane, uh, 60 mil stick. Well, well, even if it's not in karst terrain, landfills, all the science says landfills won't last much longer than 30 years. So what happens after 30 years? What happens after 30 years? Uh, what happens after 30 years, maybe, if you look at this map of Minnesota, they looked at old landfills, and they, st they studied the groundwater in the vicinity of those landfills, and what did they find? Um, they, uh, they studied, I don't know how many, but uh, only, only nine were not analyzed. Uh, two were analyzed, but didn't have any, any PFAs in them. Uh, 32 had PFAs, uh, 46 had PFAs above health standards, and uh, PFAs 
uh, health stand, exceed 10 times the health stand for a standard in 15. That's what a landfill will do to you. Oh, this is in the groundwater underneath the landfill. Um, the, uh, the engineer, uh, I'm blocking on his name because I'm so pissed at him, uh, says, to my knowledge, none of these have ever failed. And this is not true. The, the literature say, uh, during the time frame 2010 to 2019, waste field stabilities have continued to occur with a frequency of several per year. Um, that's uh, Bonaparte et al. are the source. Some recent landfill emergencies, uh, one at 17 in Pennsylvania, 18 in Georgia, 19 another in Georgia, 22 one in Alabama, 23 one in New York, 23 one another in Alabama. An analysis of 30 landfills estimate mean time before liner failure is 27.4 years. And these are not landfills on karst. Uh, so even before they start accepting garbage, they've, uh, there are studies that show that the, <laughs> that the geomembranes have an average of how many? Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, you got to go back. Uh, 1.62 leaks per acre. Uh, this, that would mean about eight, eight for the current uh, Viroqua landfill and 6.5 for the expansion. That is just even before it starts gathering waste, they have leaks in them. And then the problem too, I think I will, I'll stop here, is monitoring wells don't do a thing for you because they assume that leakage from a landfill will come out in a broad swath when in fact what happens is you get a minor tear, a small tear, and you get a small a small leak that goes through and passes between these widely spaced <laughs> monitoring wells, which can only sense contamination within like nine feet of the well. So <laughs> you're being protected by monitoring wells. It's just that. I think I will, I will, I will call it. Uh, thank you. I'm done. <laughs>